Hello, friends. Welcome back to Coaches Exploring the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People from a Principles Behind Clarity perspective. And today we're going to be reviewing Habit One, Be Proactive. And uh, Lynn, maybe you can just talk about what you were, you were just referring to, the way he starts off this, this section. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just read it again, actually. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Um, so he says, as you read the book, try to stand apart from yourself. Try to project your consciousness upward into a corner of the room and see yourself in your mind's eye reading. Can you look at yourself almost as though you were someone else? And then he says, think about the mood you are now in. Can you identify it? What are you feeling? How would you describe your present mental state? So as I was reading this earlier, and we were about to come on today and do mm. this review, I, I looked because, of course, I've read it before, but I realized that oh, I'm doing a little review here and there's loads and loads more pages. So I, I actually got a bit up in my head, like, oh, I, I need to, maybe I've missed things. Maybe I want to say something else. Maybe, maybe. So when he says this, <laughs> how would you describe your present mental state? And I'm laughing at myself going, really? <laughs> mm. I was getting myself in a test because maybe, maybe, maybe I've missed something. Maybe I won't know what to say. I, I love that he, he brought... It was like um, he he just brings you very much into the moment. Mm. He just absolutely brings you very much into the moment. Mm. And a, a little further down, he says, we are not our feelings. We are not our moods. Mm. We are not even our thoughts. And I thought, if I read that in The Missing Link, if I read that in Clarity, if I read that in any Three Principles book, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, it would fit. <laughs> um so again, that was just something that I thought, wow, that again, like something that's very aligned with the principles behind clarity. And, you know, I know, you know, it's, uh, I, I think of that Sid Banks line of, well, the thing that, that preceded his enlightenment experience of him telling somebody at a conference that he was very insecure and the guy kind of offhandedly just said, oh, you're not insecure. You just think you are. Just think you are. Um, but it's like, you know, again, like if, if people really understood and, and, um, believed that they were not their feelings, they were not their moods, they were not even their thoughts. What a difference those, th knowing those three things could make for the world. Yeah. And just slightly below that bit, Greg, as well, I underlined all of that paragraph and, it says it affects not only our attitudes and behaviors, but also how we see other people. It becomes our map of the ba basic nature of mankind. And it's not quite that, but it, it came to mind that it's in some way a map that would point to, let's say, the with a capital T, you know, the human experience, which is, I guess, what most people are sort of seeking to work out, mm. you know, what it's all about. And parallel to the idea of, um, you know, Jamie Smart's idea of um, a misunderstanding, you know, that we're mm. uh, clouded, let's say, because of a basic misunderstanding. So perhaps, you know, uh, we've taken the map out on a rainy day kind of thing. You know, rather than taking it out on a sunny day and all the inks got kind of 
you know, run together. Right, yeah. <laughs> Matt's <got> cloudy. <laughs> I like the way he's he's pointed out in this this the social mirror part, the three different types of maps, yeah. uh, the genetic determinism says your grandparents did it to you, the psychic determinism says your your parents did it to you, and the environmental determinism that says your boss is doing it to you. And I, I just when I read through that now, I just laugh because I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've I've thought all those things. Oh, I, I'm a picky eater because of my. Uh, my upbringing, my my grandmother did it to me, and my stubborn father did it to me, and you know I I I had to quit my job because of my my boss did it to me, all those kinds of things. Um, anyway, it, it's very enlightening to to see to see all that. Yeah, that even you know the way you know, your grandparents had short tempers, and it's your DNA. You know, it just goes through the gener generations and you inherited it. In addition, you're Irish, and that's the nature of Irish people. That made me laugh. <laughs> that made me laugh. So, but no, it it's sort of coming from, you know, even was it it was it was it Darwin that brought up the nature nurture question? Mm -hmm. You know, is it is it really because of your your genetic constitution or has it just got to do with well of course you know your parents were born and bred there you were born and bred there everybody else is born the language that you used in your little farmhouse community is always going to be that so like you know yeah. and of course you're going to end up with some strange um infection from the animals that you've been dealing with all your life in the farmhouse mm. like but it's it's not genetics kind of thing therefore it can be changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the, to, to me, the whole, the, the, I don't know if it's the promise of it or the, the inspiration of it to rise above all those things. And, and then, you know, the, this is where Covey refers to Viktor Frankl in his story mm -hmm. in the, yeah. the, the Nazi concentration camps and really painting a picture. I, I know when I first read this, immediately after finishing this book, the next book I picked up was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, because this, this story was so inspiring. But um, yeah, it, it just, uh, you know, makes you realize, like, compared to what Frankl went through, my life's pretty good. <laughs> uh, even though I often find myself in a reactive place of blaming and, 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 uh, all those kinds of things. So, it, yeah, just the, the ability for us to rise above our conditioning. Yeah. And and from a principles perspective, like realizing like, oh, yeah, I'm, I am creating my reality. <laughs> like the, the perceptual reality that I'm living in is being created from within me. What I also took from this, um, I mean, there's so much outside and stuff here in these in these pages, and then the the Frankel story, which I heard and read the other book also, is that, um, and and from a principle, so to align this with the principles perspective, the notion that, um, and Frankel's realization that he could not be harmed, at a core level, he could not be harmed, 
when it gets to the the point where it's like what what more are they going to take from me oh they can't they they, they realize they actually they couldn't take him they actually couldn't take him so that notion of we we cannot be harmed despite or sometimes are thinking that we can or other people are doing something or i think it, for me that that was um that seemed pretty clear <laughs> i also love this um onto on the proactive under the proactive model proactive people can carry their own weather with them mm -hmm. and uh, you know when we talk about uh our thoughts being like the weather and shifting and all of that that, that kind of uh, the fact that you know, we, we could be bitching and moaning about the rain, but we're not going to switch it off. So, uh, and neither can we switch off the thoughts. We just have to let them move on. Yeah. It's funny when that idea of weather comes up, it's like, I think, how often do we, do I turn on the TV to go to the, the weather network or we have a channel here called CP24. It's like a news station that has the weather up in the corner. It's like, you know, it's the end of the evening or whatever. And my wife and I are like, Oh, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? And you, you turn on, you see like rain, you're like, Oh, it's going to be a shitty day tomorrow. It's like, well, yeah. we're already like, it hasn't even rained a drop of water yet. And we're already setting ourselves up to have a bad yeah. day because of some yeah. icon that showed up on the, the weather channel there. Anyway, it, it's so interesting. Yeah, I highlighted this thing about uh, that's in line with what you were just talking about, about, Frankel's uh, realization of who he really was, but in the words of Gandhi, they can't, cannot take away our self-respect if we do not give it to them. Mm. And, uh, you know, all of that in the same, and it, it's amazing when you think back at like these characters from history, Frankel or Gandhi, um, you know, when, when I got into the principles and, and I've heard lots of people say this, like, Oh, why, why isn't this more readily known? It's like, no, like there's, people have known about this maybe not yes. framed the way that the principles are framed but like these because it's the principles are just a metaphor for the truth of what is and other people have seen that truth and and you know maybe described it differently but it's it's been there since the beginning of time And uh, he shares this story about when he was at a conference in California and this lady was disturbed, making a disturbance in the crowd. And he went and talked to her afterwards and, and she kind of recounted what had happened to her. But she said, um, I wanted to yell to the whole world. I'm free. I'm let out of prison. No longer am I going to be controlled by the treatment of some person. And it's uh, like he talks about this is a hard pill for people to swallow. But the, you know. It, the the very essence of being proactive is the realization that uh, you know who you really are and how your experience is created. That's you know he doesn't say it in those words, but <laughs> to me that's the from I've had this exact experience. I am free. Like I've 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 uttered those words. I've had that feeling as I've gotten into the the principles. So um, I can totally relate to to what this lady was going through. Yeah, there's a sense for me of time uh, in the you know in the proactive versus reactive. Let's say in the sense that, uh, and again, I think I think for, for from a clarity perspective, 
the the word is rather than proactive would be creative and and reactive um it interesting how ling linguistically like they both have a, a preposition after them so you're like you you know you're kind of reactive at something so at the circumstance at the event at the thing at the you know what somebody said it's not really reactive to you're reactive at but proactive has would follow with a preposition or or something like you're proactive towards something within indicates interestingly a movement mm. towards the unknown that hasn't actually been created yet but reactive also always remains in time in a place that's actually already been because of the circumstance and the or the event it's already gone it's already passed there's yeah. also this same concept for me and and i can understand perhaps where there's misunderstanding in the word proactive because sometimes if you if one needs to create or be something in the future it kind of can get a little bit scary so like there's a there's a there's something in in this part where where he speaks of proactivity if you like that could could be misunderstood misinterpreted through his words because of a personal feeling around the word proactive and I, that that's just come up to me now i mean it, and and it looks to me that his you know i love his explanation around proactive it makes perfect sense to me but for sure now that i have a, a clear understanding of where my experience comes from so that now i know where my experience comes from i don't have to be afraid of it <clears throat> so again sometimes i found that for the 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 reading of this book it was extraordinarily useful to me to have you know the principles behind clarity very clear in my mind what comes up for me as you're speaking there Elaine, is um proactivity in this case to me speaks of choice Mm. And what and uh, what I highlighted time and again through this part and thinking about the principles behind clarity and with, when we are with people or when we're trying to figure something out for ourselves and we feel like a bit scared or uh, a bit I can't or about all the other reasons things might not work out this this whole notion of resourcefulness and initiative and going back to the we have it mm. we have what we're looking for um so uh and and the fact that we have it might not make everything clear but it means that ultimately there is an answer to whatever we're trying to figure out therefore it probably isn't that scary <laughs> what scares us is is forgetting that yeah yeah well it's funny this time through when i i read about the resort r and i resourcefulness initiative it had me think about all the things that Jamie talks about in terms of our innate capacities for insights, realization, 
um, yeah. our, our innate capacity for well-being, like that's your resourcefulness and initiative is, is wrapped up in all those things um, or another, uh, another set of words to describe those things. So um, yeah. yeah. And it's funny, Elaine, that you mentioned the language part because he, he does a whole thing in here about the comparison of reactive language versus proactive language. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like yeah. victim versus yeah. creator. I see it too as like uh, outside in versus inside out. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. The interesting thing for me is even, even when we think we're outside in, or, or acting as if it were outside in, it's still an inside out thing. Like we're still, we're still creating that experience through the power of thought. Um, it's just a misunderstanding of what's going on. Yeah. I, I highlighted this when it says a, a serious problem with the reactive language is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy people become reinforced in the paradigm that they are determined and they produce evidence to support the belief. Um, and I, I don't know if it's in here, but I, the words kind of ring in my ears from listening to these CDs so many times is argue for your weaknesses and they're yours um, was a Covey quote. And uh, you know, and we know this from working with clients, right? Like every client I've ever had, they have a mountain of evidence <laughs> that they bring with them as to why they are the way they are. And, and me too. I mean, the, the things that I, that I cope with and deal with personally, I have a mountain of evidence. So this, this whole somehow think realizing that there it's this self-fulfilling prophecy element of it helps me to kind of see through all that. Yeah. And, and interestingly, he, he, on that paragraph that you're on, Greg, a serious problems, reactive language, he's, he's, his final sentence there is basically, I mean, it's totally outside and they blame outside forces for other, for people's circumstances, even the stars for their own situation. Mm. And how often are, you know, how attuned are we to hear people say, I can't, or it won't, or they something, or, you know, just to pick up on that. And the more we hear that and the more we hear it in ourselves, just to actually catch ourselves out with that it's those moments in their cells are aha moments oh you know there that goes again it's like the the just reeling out of the story mm. Mm. another when thing I, I saw quite differently is he, he tells this story about this man and his wife and the love isn't there yeah. and stuff and he, he says yeah. you know, proactive people make love a verb love is something you do the sacrifice you make the giving of self like a mother bringing in a newborn into the world but this whole realm of love I, I had a realization when i was kind of dissecting jamie's one-to-one -one unpack stuff in, in the day two of that thing he has a an ai generated transcript of the the whole six hours and the word love he said love like 93 times or something and it really stood out to me and i realized oh i i don't i had thinking around the word love, like I, I had, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable or until I saw through it a couple of weeks ago when somebody was, you know, sharing something, say, Oh, I love that. Like it seemed over the top to me. 
Um, and I know in the in principles and with Sid Banks, everything comes down to love and understanding. Like this whole realm of the word love and the concept of love, I see it much differently now than I I did even like three weeks ago. Mm. So when when I was reading this thing about this this husband and wife and the love and and kind of where Cuffy was pointing them to, I thought, oh yeah, that's you know new and fresh for me. Yeah. I suppose it's extraordinarily difficult to explain something that actually doesn't, being formless, mm. a principle, doesn't actually have a word attached to it. And then I'm kind of thinking that in the human experience, perhaps as language has developed, the the nearest thing that could perhaps get close as sort of close to the sense of love is perhaps at the moment of procreation between man and woman mm -hmm. so perhaps in time the word that word was the best thing they could do given the circumstances if you like but the the idea is that we we don't have a word just either could it be you me lynn jamie um stephen covey sid banks whoever it's just a word mm. and it's still outside it's not inside mm. if if you see what i mean so it's it's a really difficult philosophical concept sometimes to get a grip on mm. Um, you know, among human beings having a human experience until, of course, you have got a grip on it. In the moment, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, the only, the only thing I can think that what love really looks like is that moment when life is about to be generated through procreation. But of course, evolution, times, wars, uh, governments, God knows what else, politics, geography, and all the rest of it have, you know, dramatically changed the the very sense of the word love. And just even I can imagine the three of us have got very different thoughts about that word, mm. really. And that we're only three amongst eight billion Brilliant. people, you know. <laughs> But what well, I was just thinking was, yeah, we're not talking about that love. Mm -mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. And I mean, basically, that's all thought too. Exactly. I mean, who who says what? It's all thought. Who who says what yeah. love is? So some some yeah. time way back, someone slapped a word on something. Whoever knows when when that happened, um, yeah. and then who you know who determines what that is and how it plays out. But that's all thought too, and that and this I mean this this whole the the conversation the guy at the same the seminar it's an absolute it's a fabulous example of it's all thought because he's saying oh you know the the love isn't there it's not there it's like you know like it's a thing. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's not like yeah. he's looking for this thing. Which um, it isn't. Yeah, it's made up. Yeah. yeah. 
And again, it, there's there's nothing after the word love if we're going to keep the word for the sake of being able to communicate. So so you you actually cannot love in this concept. You can't love something or somebody because the 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 concept of love ends at the end of the at the e after love. Full stop. It's one of those, it just is. Mm. But it doesn't do anything or be anything, even. It just is. This could be a whole hour in itself. I know. It's, I know. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it actually really, it, it really, really could. When I read this, um, we're getting a bit off script, off script, but when I read this little section here, and it's not the first time that this has ever struck me since I've been in this space, I often think, so many divorces could be avoided. Mm. I mean, really, they could just be avoided, if only. Um, yeah. So many lots of things could be avoided. I know we've talked about this in our last, our last thing we've mentioned wars and stuff, Elaine. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's all it's all thought. Yeah. Well, speaking of thought, when uh, the next model he kind of introduces is the circle of concern and circle of influence, mm. and kind of uh, describing distinctions between what that looks like for proactive people versus reactive. And it occurred to me this time through too, it's like he's talking about the content of their thought, right? Like that's, you know, a proactive person, the content of their thought is kind of going in, in the direction outwards from the, the center of the circle, their circle of influence expanding, whereas the, the reactive person, the content of their thought is the circle of concern around them kind of collapsing in on them and holding them down or shrinking them. Um, so yeah, it was, again, looking at this through a, a principles lens or a lens of, of the power of thought. It's been totally uh, different for me. Um, yeah. And, and the way I relate to this model, I mean, I've, I've spent years teaching this model to people <laughs> Um, my staff and different people, different courses I've done and, you know, to now see it differently and, and how the whole model can just kind of explode when you understand the nature of thought. Um, because bef before I would have looked at it from a content of thought perspective, mm. and now understanding the principles behind clarity, uh, realizing all oh, the, the way to master this model or to not even need the model is is to understand the nature of thought so that whether you're having proactive thoughts or reactive thoughts, whatever, it's just thought. And then like you just said, it's all thought. Yeah. We've got about okay. three minutes left. If, uh, if there's anything There's specific. I've, I've got on. nothing more to add there. Um, for me, the two of you summed the whole thing up nicely, I think. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just sifting through. Um, I think probably one of the last things I, I had was on page 96, the have and the bees, and that mm. there was so much screaming of toxic goals there. <laughs> I'll be happy when. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the very first one, he says, I'll be happy when I have my house paid off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they go on. So, yeah. And yeah. another thing that's aligned with 
the the book clarity in terms yeah. of things it's referring to. I, I highlighted yeah. this, which is a, 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 you know, I say my one of my favorite quotes, of which I have many. But any any time we think the problem is out there, that thought is. <laughs> And uh, again, I, I used to think about that from just an outside in versus inside out perspective. Like, oh, okay, I, I need to focus within. I can't look at that as being a problem that has to solve before I can do anything about it. I what what can I proactively do about it? And then since coming to the principles, it's been like, oh, thought. Like, <laughs> it's it's about thought. It's not about the perception of a problem or whether I'm going to solve it or somebody else needs to solve it. The the whole, the point here is that very thought is the problem. It's, it's all about thought, understanding the nature of thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I highlighted this one too, because you'll probably understand it when I read it. Sometimes the most proactive thing we can do is to be happy just to genuinely smile. I thought that, you know, in the world of advice, that's some pretty good advice right there. <laughs> well, yeah. The smile, despite everything. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when, when you, when I've had the realization, whenever I've been caught in a thought storm, that is just thought, the most natural thing for me to do is to smile and kind of laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when I'm in my thought storms and then I realize what's going on, my kind of go-to place is just I sort of go, ah, and apparently, like horses, apparently when horses sigh, it means that they've learned something. Mm. And I notice I'm just, just looking over myself doing that. You know, you guys know I have my little clarity corner. When I'm not quite sure what to do with myself, I just kind of go into my own balcony and look out over into the yard and, and like do nothing. And then I realize I usually, I often come back in with a fresh new idea. You know, like sort of, ah. Oh. Mm. But it's not because of what I've been thinking. It's because I've left behind what I've been thinking and stepped into something that I have no idea what it will be, but it's something. Mm. You go, oh. mm. And that is so relieving. It's, it's, it's instant, instant, instant happiness sort mm. of thing. Sometimes momentary, sometimes more, but it's instant and it's it's the very knowing, you know, that that it it whatever it is, you know, the the little the criminal is my thought, mm. in the, the the stuff that's rattling through my head every time. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to mention was the. Uh... In the end, when Sean Covey gives his kind of the new look at these chapters, and he tells a story about how, like, you know, he'd come home and he'd be complaining about his day or whatever. And of course, to, as you would expect, Stephen Covey, his dad was like, that's very reactive. You know, you yeah. and, and don't so be a victim. He, he says, I'd go find mom. 
who would let me blame other people for my problems. It was a good balance. Dad was always loyal to the principles while mom was always loyal to you. <laughs> and I could just imagine growing up in that household. Yeah. And, and then the yeah. last thing he said, I, I highlighted here was, we are the creative forces of our lives and we are free to choose, but we have to be reminded of this all the time. And it kind of reminded me of the, you know, the human experience that even, even when you're aware of the principles and you have deep grounding, we fall, we get swept away by the world of thought and have to be reminded constantly about how our experience created and who we really are. And we can fall out of it and then get swept away again and then fall out and swept away. <laughs> and that's just, that's, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, that and just what you're saying, Greg, just reminds me. I think it's some guy, a uh, guy called Zig Ziglar, mm. who who says something like like personal development is a bit like personal hygiene. You know, like you you do it every day. Yeah. You know, because because if you don't, you've got a problem. Yeah. The thing. So the yeah. idea that you know it, you you do need to remember and get up and do it again and remind yourself and keep on keep on that that is that's growth yeah. that is growth yeah yeah cool yeah all right have it to next time yeah okay. forward this, this has been fun thanks guys thanks Kevin.